0: was Abraham. It was no thing. My sisters had to tell me later what happened. They say that when I fell ill, they sent word to Jesus immediately. They thought he was in Jerusalem which is at the temple, but only a half an hour walk away. But, without telling us, he had gone to Jordan, over 20 miles away. It took another two days to find him and to tell him that I was sick. And then, I love the way your King James Version defines it. He tarried. After he heard word that I was sick, for two more days, he tarried. And then he came to Bethany, our hometown, which can be translated as either house of dates or house of affliction. Indeed. My sisters were so furious at the master. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Half lament, half accusation bitter disappointment made all the worse because Jesus was a friend. Yes, before he was the master, before we knew him as rabbi, before people called him, dare I say, Mashiach, Messiah, he was just Yeshua, the wonderful, gentle carpenter from Nazareth, just the dearest friend we had from the days before, the days before the baptism, the days before the teachings and the healings and the fawning crowds and the resentful religious authorities and the nervous Roman soldiers. Before all that, it was it was just us, the four of us, Yeshua and me, my sisters, Miriam and Marta, the gang of four. We belonged to each other.
1: But now Jesus belonged
0: to the crowds and to God more than to us. And when we needed him, he Betrayed, and hurt, and angry.
1: He should be crucified. That sense of God. Why did He let this happen? Could it be-
0: Martha said that Jesus spoke to her words of faith and hope and rising and such. She didn't understand any of it at the time. She could hardly hear it. It all just hurt too much. What she said, she remembers well. And what was crucial to her was not... His words, but his emotion. He became, depending on the translations of your Bible, troubled, or angry, or indignant, and agitated. whether it was in the face of my death or maybe in the face of death in general, I will never know I wasn't there. But what mattered to my sister was that it was the first time in three years that my sisters had seen Jesus being vulnerable, so truly present for them, to be just for a moment, no longer the teacher, no longer the healer, no longer the rabbi, but just the dear friend who had lost a dear friend. Mary says this made all the difference for her. Years later, she reflected that what happened to me and what happened to Jesus in Jerusalem in the days to follow changed the way she saw God. No longer the distant deity on a throne, she came to know that we have a god who knows what it is like to be a human being a god who knows what it is like to lose a love a god who knows the pain and the loneliness that accompany such a loss She came to know that God is present, and God does know, and God does care about the pain we feel, because God feels it, just as Jesus felt it. God weeps just as Jesus
1: wept. We don't presume having answers to why disasters happen, why bad things happen to good people or to bad people bad. The point of Jesus, though, is that God leaves with us that God
0: never heard the words roll away the stone. Or even the words Lazarus come out! But I moved I guess. Remember how I said earlier that the hardest thing me was not being around for any of this. That's, that's not quite true. I remember one thing in the cave. The smell. That was my first conscious thought in the cave. <laughs> what is that stench? What What crawled in here and died? And I realized it was me. It has never left me, the smell. I mean, no one else smells it, but I... It's like a... It's like the stench has seared permanently into my nose or into my brain is an always there reminder of death even after all these years i'm still afraid to go to bed each night i go to bed not sure i'm going to wake up and my first thought on waking is Well, you've been called out to another day. Lazarus, get out of bed. Lazarus, come out. If you look at your Bible text, it states just what it felt like. It reads, The dead man came out. Not sure how I feel about that. It doesn't say newly enlivened, animated, vivified Lazarus comes out. No, the dead man came out. Dead man, like dead man walking. Dead man, still subject to decay and sickness, and sin, and, yes, death. Just like my sisters, whom I have buried. And just like me. I will have the unique honor of being the first mortal to get to die and rot a second time. But, although I do not remember Jesus' words, Lazarus, come out! work and to love and to create and to connect and to celebrate, even when I'm stinky, this brief span of life and to live it as fully as I can, in the quiet confidence that there is more on the other side of life and of death. There is life renewed. There is life resurrected. But even more than that promise is my life now. My my time in the grave was, in a sense, a practice for resurrection. But even more so is my life a practice for resurrection. Resurrection. It is my life and it is the way that I choose to live it that has me practicing resurrection. Maybe that's what Jesus meant when he said the first words that I did hear. I heard him say, unbind him. I am still subject to decay. And sadness and sickness and death. I am still subject to them. But I am no longer bound by them. I am no longer defined by them. I am bound and defined only by life and by love and by trust in the one who called me out to live, live and to life. And I know deep in my bones that I have a role to play, just like you all do, in God's redemption of this bound up, and broken world. I'm still waking up to what all this means. Even though at my age I am looking at death again, in a more familiar way, I am still waking up. And in waking up I have been set free. Released to be a part of this, this plan, this kingdom work that Jesus began. I don't have infinite days left, and neither, I suspect, do any of you. So I invite you. Be unbound from what holds you down. And be set free to live. Let the stone be rolled away. Let the stone
1: the healing and the bringing to new life that God's already bringing into the world. I want you to reflect on that, and if you would, you uh, might share it with each other. Um, I'm going to give you a couple of examples. This is a very small example, but it's been amazingly meaningful to me. Uh, this Lenten season, my Lent practice, has been to try to replace the phrase, I have to, as in, I have to do my taxes. With the phrase, I get to, as in, I get to do my taxes. <laughs> or wash the dishes, or walk the dog, or, or face a new day. Because one of the places I get bound is by all that I feel I have to accomplish. And somehow, saying I get to, unbinds me a little, even with the taxes. So I invite you to consider that yourselves. Um, And I also want to share with you a couple of things that we're offering here at harvard Epworth. The first of those is tonight's Ed Mark lecture, where Professor Cornell William Brooks is going to come and speak to us about the biblical imperative for reparations to black Americans. If there was anything in our nation that needs to be unbound, it is that dreadful history and our response to it. And so we invite you to come to the lecture tonight at 7. If you can in person, you can come online if you like. It will be on our YouTube channel. And then in a more personal way to this community, one of the conversations that we're beginning this spring is how do we understand our status as a truly inclusive and reconciling church so that when we have gatherings, which we've traditionally called the women's gatherings, the men's gatherings here, how how do we understand our called to be inclusive of folk for whom the term women and men is not sufficient, does not apply? How do we unbind our conceptions to be truly open to folk who are gender diverse, who are part of this congregation, part of this community? We'll be engaging in that conversation in the coming month, and if that's something that you would like to be part of, I invite you, please, to speak with me or to speak with me. I think we never know what direction new life with God will take. And I think we also can live and trust that there is life with God, life everlasting. And so I invite you to partner with us, with each other, Enjoy in that new life. Roll away the stone, unbind the claws, and be free. Amen. Our next hymn is just a closer walk with me. And it's some number. It's 2158 in the rapid.